This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weather Lounge. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and I would like to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen to our podcast about weather. The Weather Lounge is located in Hackettstown, New Jersey, where you will also find Weatherworks. We are a private forecasting company and our services stretch across the United States. And as always, joining me here in the Weather Lounge is my favorite co-host, meteorologist Mike Mahalik. Hey there, Mike. Hey, Brad. Favorite co-host? What are you talking yeah. about? I'm the only co-host. Mm, yeah, you are. Well, Mike <laughs> Priante sometimes is, but I guess I don't want to say that you're my favorite because I like Mike too, so. Well, that it's fun is when true. we all do a we all do a roundtable discussion uh, podcast, which I think we should do again soon. I think so. I think that's some of our better uh, podcasts. I know we did the the weather myths and folklore one that a lot of people like, um, from what I've seen on the uh, on the listenership. So I mean, we gotta think one up. Maybe some of someone out there could uh, let us know over at Weather Lounge at weatherworkthink.com. All right. Well, today though we have another guest here in the Weather Lounge. He's actually an employee of WeatherWorks as well, and uh, it's a quite interesting and popular topic, and uh, one that we probably over didn't really think about it first, and then we're, you know, wh- why not do this topic? And voila, we uh, we have a guest here at uh, again an employee of WeatherWorks, and he is a he is an angler. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, hey, I you know I like fishing. I've I've done it in the past, and you know, there's always the little, you know, tidbits or or tips of when to when's the best time to catch a fish. Uh, what's the best weather to catch a fish? Should the water be clear or murky? Should it be cold or warm or whatever? There's always, you know, little folklores of of how to catch the most fish. But we're gonna clear that up uh, with meteorologist Joe Sleezak. No pun intended, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we're going to we're going to clear that up and we're finally going to get into the 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 science behind uh you know what what does make for the best fishing conditions. Right. I mean and and fishing is one of those sports also where it's like everyone has their own recipe if you will. Like, you know, I'd like to do this or I like to, it's almost like playing golf too. Everyone has their own, you know, set of ways they want to get better at it and i think fishing's uh one of those you have the very small uh you know subtleties that maybe someone else doesn't know or, or i cast with this or i only like to fish in this type of weather it's 75 degrees and the dew point has to be exactly 60 and you know that's when i'm going to catch my most fish so um but uh yeah joe slezak he is our uh he is our guest today, again, a uh, meteorologist here at Weatherworks. Uh, he is a man of many traits, but he has a special place in his heart for fishing. So we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break here, and we'll come back and bring in Joe Slezak, and we'll have a nice chat about fishing and weather. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you ever needed weather data for a snow removal contract? How about a slip and fall incident? Searching for the information online may sound simple enough. However, it can be tedious and difficult. Good news! Our data and stats team can simplify the process. We'll find any weather information from daily rainfall and snowfall totals to hourly temperatures and seasonal averages. On the legal side, our forensic department routinely produces certified reports by meteorologists assessing the weather conditions on and around accident dates. So don't waste your valuable time. Give WeatherWorks a call today at 908-850-8600 or email us at data at weatherworksinc.com. Remember, when you think weather, think weather works. 
Welcome back to the Weather Lounge. It's meteorologist Mike Mahalik and Brad. We are ready to introduce Joe here very shortly um, to talk about fishing and weather. Yeah, this is going to be a great topic, I think. Uh, I think it's going to uh, really include a lot of folks that listen here to the Weather Lounge. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, like you said, I, I'm a recreational fisher. I'll throw out there and take the kids fishing or I'll go fishing, you know. But, you know, I did some offshore fishing back in the old days when I lived in New Jersey. But nothing uh, like Joe is. I mean, he'll go on his break sometimes if he's working from home and throw a, throw a, a couple lines in the river nearby. And uh, he'll be right back in time to work. <laughs> He'll catch a few fish, so we'll, uh, we'll have to ask him about that, too. Yeah, well, rather than us talking about it, let's just bring in Joe, uh, and uh, let's get this started. Joe, I think you're there. How you doing? Hey, good morning. I'm doing good. <laughs> All right, well, you know, hey, I know uh, for Brad and myself, you know, fishing is just, you know, a recreational thing that we kind of, you know, we don't have the expertise that might... Uh, some people do have, I mean, uh, you know, you throw a bobber in for me or something or throw some power bait on a line and that's about all I get out of it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, bobbers get a bad rap, but I, I like to call them professional depth control devices to keep, you know, bait <laughs> off the bottom or it, 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 bobbers get a negative connotation when really they're, they're quite useful and, you know, you're, I can't be too proud to use a bobber. I feel like that is kind of like, uh. Uh, an un, I don't know, an stigma. Un, There's a yeah, stigma it's, it's, to a bobber. It's, that's what I'm looking for. You know, it's like, oh, well, that's the easy way to to kind of do it. It's like it's like training wheels of, of fishing, I guess. Yeah, like when Brad was talking about, you know, I'll go on my lunch break and walk down to the river from my house, and I use a bobber because I know the water's two, three foot deep. I set it a little bit off the bottom, and that's the right depth where they're eating. So. There's, there's no, there's, you can't have too much pride to use a bobber. So, um, <laughs> I guess I'll go into some of my background as far as, you know, I like recreationally fishing, but I've picked up a lot of little tactics and tips and tricks and what kind of weather works best along the way. So I have spent my whole life living in New Jersey. I grew up down in South Jersey. I worked my way up the state. I spent most of the, uh, my college years in central Jersey around Rutgers and, uh, as far as, you know, now I've progressed to the northwest corner of the state up here at Weatherworks. So I'm gradually working my way through all the kind of different, you know, uh, fishing niches in New Jersey. So I did a lot of, you know, lakes and ponds down in South Jersey. Um, my grandfather taught me a lot of stuff. And uh, as far as there, I worked into central Jersey, did a lot of saltwater fishing, uh, Long Beach Island. And as far as uh, now that I'm up in Northwest Jersey, I've been kind of honing my skills on the uh, like trout fisheries up here. So a lot of experience there for sure. Um, but I think you know we 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 thought of this topic because you had said that sometimes when you're talking to our storm alert clients um, about the weather, they might even ask you a little question about, hey, what's the weekend looking like? I'm doing a fishing trip or something like that. So. Um, Sometimes we do get those interesting questions, right, uh, on your end? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, as far as when clients call in, normally it's for weather for work reasons, but every now and again we'll get a call as far as, uh, you know, we got a fishing trip, our whole company's having an outing. I've had a couple of those. Uh, we even have a few clients that own fishing charters. So uh, it's, it's surprising in terms of, you know, how we uh, connect with clients as far as just We'll shoot the breeze as far as fishing, but um, it's kind of a good way we all get to know each other as as far as our alert clients. So, so, so Joe, 
it, all right, let, let's get down to nuts and bolts here of weather and fishing. So what is, I think, I, I mean, I think the pressure, the air pressure is probably the most impactful, I guess, weather, I don't want to say phenomena, I guess the weather conditions maybe that would change, uh, you know, how fish bite or the ease of catching them. Is that, or is the temperature? I mean, get a little more into depth about that stuff. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's, there's never just everything is absolutely perfect, but in terms of, you know, there's variables that feed into what makes the fishing, you know, better or worse. So my number one uh, variable that I look for is barometric pressure. So fish have swim bladders, um, which they use to kind of regulate how deep they are in the water. So if their you know, swim bladder's not working, they'll go all the way to the top. If it's not working, they'll just sit on the bottom. Neither of those are ideal. So obviously they're somewhere between the surface and the bottom of the water. Um, as far as that organ actually is affected by barometric, barometric pressure. Um, so that, that actually is quite, you know, uh, dependent on whether the pressure is rising, falling or high or low. So not only do you have those high and low pressures, but the actual rate of change affects, you know, affects how the fish are uh, active. So some of the best fishing I've ever had uh, was when I was down the shore with my parents right before Hurricane Sandy hit. Um, obviously, the pressure was low and it was still falling. Um, falling rapidly at that. Yeah, it affects the it affects not just the depth, but I think those falling pressures tend to make fish think something's coming and we got to eat up because as those storms kind of start coming in, the pressure falls. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I've I've never considered that as my first thing about fishing. I mean, like I said, I'm not as experienced as you, um, but, you know, I always was more into like, well, you know, is it cloudy or sunny or, or what's the temperature and that sort of thing, you know, but I, I never thought of the pressure uh, right off the bat. Yeah, so the... um. The unfortunate thing is we tend to get our nicest days as the pressure is increasing as we're getting into an area of high pressure. And that tends to be the nicest, sunniest days where you want to go outside. But as far as where the pressure is falling and storms are coming, that tends to get the fish a little more active. Um, and I was going to say when the conditions are best for humans to actually go out and enjoy themselves and fish and you know spend a couple of hours outside, it's probably the, the worst time to go out and try to catch fish because they're not biting then. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive. When I start hearing a storm coming, I, I honestly, that's one of the things I think about is I got to get ready to go fishing. So most people see a sunny day and say, let's get going fishing. But some of the slowest days I've had are where it's not a cloud in the sky, dome of high pressure right overhead. And I uh, almost would rather have, uh, you know, a storm system approaching up the coast or even a frontal system will drop the pressure temporarily. So when thunder roars, you're supposed to head indoors, except if you're a fisherman or a fisher person. <laughs> yeah. Not advised. I mean, you're also holding a, a graphite rod that conducts electricity. So I, I definitely not advised. But as far as just a cloudy overcast day with the pressure falling, uh, that's that's my cup of tea. And you got to still have that adult beverage if you want to, uh, in the other hand. So you got to, you know, make sure. Yeah, Th that's that's a different kind of fishing. I mean, there's fishing <laughs> where you sit down, you sit down, pop out a lawn chair and just sit there and have a beverage. But um, more often than not, I'm doing the kind where I'll actively walk around. I won't just pop a, you know, pop a seat down and I'll, I'll keep walking around and trying new spots. But, um, I guess the, uh, the, you know, when you get those stormy conditions that kind of alludes into what kind of cloud cover I prefer. So as far as 
you know, high pressure, no clouds, sunny, not favorable in my opinion. I rather have that storm approaching. And the other factor with that is usually you have cloudy conditions. So as the clouds thicken up, fish tend to get a, a little more comfortable coming closer to the surface, closer to the edges of water bodies and that they get a little less skittish. I mean, most fish are predators as well as prey. So if you're having something bigger that can eat the fish, maybe an eagle or a hawk, they're a little afraid to come up to the top or get close to the edge and and they can see you as well. So if it's a little cloudier, a little darker, sunrise, sunset, uh, those kind of things absolutely help. So so it's just the the basically it's just masking whatever's above the surface when it's cloudy or, or a little bit darker or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And part of that also is if, if you know, the water is completely calm, they can see through the surface pretty decently. So if you have a light breeze, obviously nothing like 50, 60 miles an hour or Sandy making landfall. But if you have at least a, a breeze there, that also adds kind of a ripple to the surface and it makes it harder them, you know, for them to see you. So you can get a little bit closer to the fish and not spook them off. Interesting. So you got to think like a fish. As well. You got to think like a hunter. I mean, I don't, I don't do much hunting, but it, it's, it's a, I would say it's a form of hunting. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I was saying think like a fish because you got to think of like, what, how can the fish see you, you know, and, and think what it's looking at from under the water and looking up, you know, so, um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I get the hunt, hunting type thing there too. It's almost like, uh, I don't know. Maybe you'll see uh, Joe out there wearing camo. So, what, what would go into like a, a, a fishing forecast itself? Like, 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 I guess the pressure would be the main thing, and then I guess temperature after that. Yeah. So, I mean, you got two different kinds of temperature. You have the air temperature as well as the water temperature. Um, water temperature tends to be a bigger uh, variable in terms of importance rather than the air. Obviously, the fish are not in the air, so. As far as the water temperature, water temperature is pretty important as far as seasonal fish that migrate as well as um, in terms of you know oxygen levels. Uh, so if the water gets too hot, oxygen isn't as easily dissolved in the water. So as far as that can cause fish to be more lethargic as well as less likely to feed. Um, so it, it, lakes tend to have the biggest issues with water temperature in terms of they don't have circulation. They're not naturally oxygenated by waves or running water. So the bass fishing can kind of fall off pretty sharply if it gets above, you know, the water temperature is above 80 or so. But um, as far as, you know, that that also is, is very important for a lot of, you know, trout fisheries in, in Northwest Jersey where, you know, the ideal day isn't consistent um, in terms of what water temperature or what time of day. So if it's early in the season, you know, March, April, even May, the water temperature is cool. So in order for the fish to be more active, they are cold blooded. It does need to warm up a little bit, um, not to the point where you can't dissolve oxygen. But so a warmer day early in the year is actually beneficial. But a cooler day later in the year when the water's hot actually makes the fish more active. So you're looking for those anomalous days, whether it's warm early in the season or, you know, cool later in the season. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how the what you're looking for changes as the season goes on. I mean, it's not just an overall standard of what you're looking for. You know, it's it's a very fluid uh, type. Uh, what's the best fishing condition forecast? 
I see what you did there with the fluid. Ah. <laughs> There's dad jokes galore on here. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't make me uh, break out uh, some of those. Uh, those are pretty bad dad jokes. I do have a couple. Maybe we'll save those towards the end. Yeah, yeah we'll save them. So, so Joe, with, with your with your knowledge and history of both freshwater and saltwater fishing, uh, how does this kind of, you know, lend to the forecast? I mean, are there days when saltwater fishing is, is it's, you're better to go saltwater fishing on a certain weather day or is it better to go freshwater fishing or does it, does it, I mean, you know, we're going to get into the tides and things like that also. I mean, how does this all tie in? Yeah. So, I mean, as far as freshwater, saltwater, that usually comes down to how far I'm willing to drive. <laughs> if it's, you know, you can, you can make it work for either of them. You just have to kind of switch up your tactics a bit. So why don't we why don't we stick on the freshwater side of things? And you know we talked about you know cloudy, sunny, warm versus cold um, with temperature and uh, water temperature and air temperature. But what about uh, precipitation? How does that affect things? Uh, lots of rainfall or anything like that? Is is that change your conditions in any way? Yeah. So my my take on how rainfall affects fishing, as far as I don't want it to be after a rain um if it had just rained quite heavily this is more for fresh water versus salt water i mean the proportion of rainfall versus the ocean is minuscule but as far as um you know freshwater fishing both lakes ponds and streams creeks rivers i don't want to go fishing right after a heavy rainfall that that usually you know a lot of stuff gets washed into the water when it rains heavily um you know it doesn't just make the water cloudy but it also it uh you know, the fish can eat a lot of stuff that gets washed into the river, lake, pond. So if they had just ate a lot, because if you had a storm and some heavy rainfall, you probably had low pressure, you probably had cloudy conditions, and you probably had a lot of food getting washed in. So they are less likely, you can still catch fish, but in terms of how active it will be, right after a heavy rainfall is not ideal in my book. Um, if it is about to rain, excellent, because you got clouds and dropping pressure. If it had just started raining, it's also excellent. But once you've gotten, you know, more than, you know, a quarter, half inch of rainfall, it, it's pretty much toast at that point, And you don't want to be standing in it. So. So by it just starting raining, does the raindrops hitting the top of the surface, does that kind of, again, give you that mask that they can't really see you that well because of the ripples in the water? Absolutely. Yeah, that that masks your silhouette from the, you know, underneath the water looking up towards the banks. Um, it also, there might be a connection there between fish have a lateral line that runs down the whole length of their body. Um, they use that to detect vibration. So that may trigger something as far as some rainfall, you know, pittering on the top of the, the surface, as far as they can detect that. And it might trigger that, you know, feeding response. Hmm. Interesting. See, I'm learning stuff here, Brad. Now I'm already becoming a better fisherman, um, just by uh, talking with Joe for a few minutes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's something that uh, you know I I would love to really. It's I mean I'm a, I'm an avid golfer. Uh, you know it, it seems like if you get if you start to really get bad at golf, that's all I hear from people. Ah, I should just give up golf and start fishing, but <laughs> because it's less stress and things like that. But I, I mean I would love to to learn more about fishing as I get. You know, Joe, when I was young back in you know 80s and 90s, I was. I was uh, 
fishing off the pier at Keyport, and I remember uh, my granddad, or yeah, my granddad used to take us out there, and we'd go out on the boat once in a while too, and we'd go out for like fluke and like uh, flounder and things like that. But I mean, I used to have a great time, you know, just fishing off the pier. I mean, how does that like change your, I guess, approach to fishing if you're doing certain? I mean, I'm, maybe not as much weather-wise, but, like, where, where does your approach from fishing change if you're going to fish off a pier or off a boat? I mean, we might as well talk about all kinds of fishing uh, different places, too. Yeah, if you, you know, if you're on a boat, the uh, you tend to usually fish bait along the bottom in terms of, you know, fluke are bottom feeders, uh, fluke, flounder. Um, as far as with a boat, you can kind of get away with lighter setups um, when you're fishing off of a pier. You know, there tends to be currents and tides. And when you're on a boat, though, you're going with those currents and tides. So as far as getting the bait to the bottom, it's a little easier from a boat. Um, when you're fishing off the shore or if you're fishing off of a pier, that water is moving relative to you. So you tend to need a little more lead or, or weight um, as far as kind of getting it to stay put on the bottom and getting the fish to actually find it. Whereas when you tend to be on a boat, you, you drift with the current. And obviously the wind is very important with that. You don't want to be going, you know. 10 mile an hour flying by the fish. And then you also don't want to be sitting still because you're not going to cover a lot of ground. So as far as I guess I was going to say the weather forecast then really becomes very, very important if you're going out on a boat because uh, conditions can change rather rapidly, uh, especially in the summertime when you get some storms, uh, you know, developing. And if you don't know what that for, I mean, if you're fishing off the pier or you're fishing, you know, anywhere along a stream, even freshwater fishing, eh, it starts to rain or, you know, the storm's on the way, you're going to run to your car or just get out of harm's way. If you're on a boat, that's a different story. Have you ever gotten caught? Like, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, uh, Hopefully my parents aren't listening because they wouldn't like to hear this. But, you know, I, I do. I have got, you know, got caught in a couple storms. Um, you know, a trained eye, you can start looking at the clouds. And, you know, if they if those cumulus puffy clouds start getting a little taller and start looking like those thunderheads, you, you know, it's time to go back home. But even, you know, even a meteorologist can get caught out there. And it's it. It, it just everything you're everything you're exposed to all of the elements. You have no shelter. I mean, yeah, you have a boat, but. It's not a whole lot in terms of anything to stop the wind, um, even, you know, even just a sea breeze. So, you know, normally across the mid-Atlantic, you have a prevailing southwest wind in summer. Um, as far as just having that sea breeze switch the wind around to the east or southeast, just that slight change can cause seas to build a foot or two. And, you know, if you already got a, a long duration swell, adding that extra foot or two of chop can make it miserable. So, it's not always the big systems, the big line of storms, even just those small wind shifts can cause pretty significant impacts to any sort of offshore ventures. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's certainly interesting. Like I'm thinking, you know, from a forecaster perspective and a lot of our clients along the New Jersey shore, you know, they're, they're thinking about tides a lot of times they're thinking about, you know, the high tides, low tides, what that impacts as far as coastal flooding concerns and things of that nature. But from a fishing side of things, I know you, you know, are watching your tides too. I mean, how does that impact your conditions? Yeah. So fish tend to feed on an incoming or an outgoing tide. Um, when the tides at its highest or when the tides at its lowest, the current of the, of the water tends to be very still. So fish tend to, you know, they don't, 
they don't they're kind of lethargic sometimes they don't want to burn a ton of calories i don't think they do it consciously but um, <laughs> i think everybody kind of falls in that yeah, category a lot of times <laughs> yeah they they kind of want to stay put and have the food come to them so if you know if the tide's stagnant and it's at the lowest it's going to get or the highest it's going to get they're not really looking for much food because the water's not moving so those incoming and outgoing tides not only move the food to them it also brings in additional nutrients from offshore so you know if you're in a back bay um, you know you can bring in some bait fish from the inlets and so that incoming tide can bring in things that fish are looking for um, same thing with an outgoing you know maybe you fish just outside of those inlets when the bay's water is is filtering back into the ocean so it you want the tide to be going up or down I don't have a preference of which one, but you just want it to be moving um, rather than stagnant at high or low. I mean, I've not done, I don't think I've ever gone saltwater fishing, so <laughs> it's all new to me. Um, I've always just done freshwater. Landlocked, um, Mike, yes. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, you know, streams or, or, or lakes. Um, I have gone to uh, Lake Ontario fishing for salmon. Yeah, I was gonna say my dad used to go up to uh, up there and get steelhead salmon uh, back when I was younger too. He used to just go up there and he's got to put on the hip waders and take them up there and freeze their butts off in March, I guess. But that, I guess that was the best time to go. Well, I, I the one thing I have to say about going on Lake Ontario, um, you know, obviously it's one of the Great Lakes, but I didn't realize, you know, how big it is until you actually get there. I mean, it's just like going onto the ocean. You can't see the other side. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's waves. I think we had like uh, three foot uh, swells or something like that when we got out there. And I was kind of happy I took my Dramamine uh, <laughs> before I got on the boat. Because, How far uh, out did you go? I I, I can't remember honestly. <laughs> um, but I know it was it was like being on the ocean um, from what I remember. Um, and we certainly came back with some uh, pretty big salmon. I was pretty happy with that. So along those lines, Joe, how, how what's the farthest out in the ocean you've ever been? Um, I'd I'd want to go out farther, but I'd say it's about you know thirty forty miles. So you you really start you start to lose sight of the horizon right about fifteen miles out. So if it's a perfectly clear sunny day just the curvature of the earth starts to lose the horizon if you don't have a tall building at about 10, 15 miles. Obviously, if it's high humidity, that makes it hazy and you start losing it sooner. Um, you know, early in the early in the spring, um, you know, the shore has water temps that are, you know, 20, 30 degrees colder than the air. So that kind of high air temperature, high humidity combined with the, the very cool water you get quite dense fog on the coast. And so if you thought driving in fog is bad, try try going through the ocean or the even just the bay without, you have no points of reference, unlike a road where you can at least see the, the markings in front of your car. Um, there have been several trips on my boat where I wasn't even in the ocean, just in the bay. And uh, just driving back home was purely by GPS. And that's it. So I was going to say, you better hope that GPS is working if you lose sight of the horizon and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure you can get turned around pretty quickly out there. Absolutely. You're you're pretty much in a bubble in, in terms of, you know, you're in a little 10-foot bubble and you see nothing outside of there. So you got to go real slow because obviously there's other boats and stuff out there. Uh, even if you know where you're going, uh, there's no guarantee the guy on the other boat knows where he's going. So, 
Remember that movie? What was that movie? Trains, planes, and automobiles. You're going the wrong way. <laughs> How do they know where we're going? <laughs> um. So I mean, you brought up fog. I mean, I, I would assume that is is fog then a decent condition for fishing because it masks your silhouette again. The the only uh, limiting factor with fog in terms of you know yeah it masks you a bit, but you don't really get fog when it's windy, and so it usually ends up being very glassy in terms of the the wave action. So uh, you know if you get we call it radiative fog from the overnight. If you get that kind of fog, it's usually dead calm. Uh, like a glassy surface to the water, which isn't great. Uh, it allows you to see the fish, but they also can see you. Uh, you can get the advective fog, which was like what I was talking about with the cold ocean and some warm air. That tends to have a little more breeziness to it, more on the order of like 5 to 15. Um, but it, it's usually you know, okay for the ocean. Lakes, it tends to be a little too still. So let's go back to the to the, to the bobbers and the lures, uh, Joe. What What... Go do a quick rundown of like weather conditions and the best type of lure slash bait to use. I, I now I know there's certain fish that you use different lures for, and but is there any you know way that the weather impacts what kind of lures you would use or what kind of bait you would use? I mean, it's like that's like a million dollar question. It, I was gonna say there there's nothing like black and white. It's not it's not readily apparent that this is a hundred percent my go to for this certain setup. So. That's that's where the uh, you know the secret Sleazak skills come in in terms of. <laughs> oh, I, now we have I, trade secrets yeah. we can't give out. I see. It's like a I'll recipe. Tell, I'll, I'll I'll tell some trade secrets to the alert clients when they call in for some weather. But as far as um, you know, it nothing universal. Obviously, if the fish are less scared, so any of those more ideal weather conditions, you can tend to fish a little higher in the column. So. I would shy away from bobbers and maybe go towards a lure and, and maybe something on the top water. If it's a hot day, the water temperature usually gets colder as you go down deeper. So if it's a hot summer day, you're going to want something that gets deeper down into the water column closer to the bottom. So that might be where, you, you know, you do use a bobber with maybe, you know, three or four foot of line below it just to get it closer to the bottom, but still keep it off the bottom. Um, the alternative to that would be, you know, if you're doing some, you know, summertime fishing, like we're coming into, you, you use a lure that runs deeper. So a lot of those lures that you cast out and retrieve, if you want to get them deeper, they got to have a big lip on the front. That's what those, you know, plastic things on the front of lures are for. They drag it deeper in the water. So you want something with a little steeper lip that dives it down, get it in that cooler water with more oxygen deeper down. And, um, you know, if it's a nice cool morning with, you know, some cloud cover, you could just run something really shallow up on the top. So no shame with bobbers, but it, it it's really just a way to regulate the depth and, and the depth the fish are at is species as well as weather dependent. Well, I don't know. I mean, hopefully our, uh, our, our fishers out there know what he's talking about. Uh, he's kind of losing me a little bit <laughs> with, with, with the lure action. Cause I didn't, I, you know, when I go out, I, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not that intense. So like, I'm just throwing some power bait on a line or, or a night crawler or something like that. And, uh, that's how I'm catching my fish. I never really used a whole lot of lures. Uh, so I can't really talk to that. So I guess that's where I'm missing it, but I know a lot of people do. Yeah. I'll, I'll shift it once in a while into that lower gear where you, you do grab an adult beverage and you grab a chair and you use a bobber and some night crawlers. There's nothing wrong with that. That's probably the best way to take a kid fishing 
um, you know, it, it's much more manageable in terms of you're not walking around and you're kind of staying put and that way the fish come to you and there's nothing wrong with that because it tends to get a lot of activity. You're not going to catch the biggest fish in the lake usually, but it at least is some action, some tight lines. Yeah. The bigger ones are smarter. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Um, so Joe, have you ever fished while it was snowing? I don't think so. I mean, I, I have not, I mean, I, I've been expanding my, you know, fishing horizons when I, you know, I mostly did lakes. Then I also did a lot of saltwater and now I've been doing a lot of streams and creeks. Now that, you know, we're actually in a part of New Jersey that actually gets cold and stays cold. Maybe I'll do some ice fishing. I, I that's one of the realms of fishing. Come to that. I know up in Lake Kong, I'm sure they have some kind of ice fishing and some of the bigger lakes, uh, I mean, I, I know up here, I'm in the Poconos and, and there's Lake Wall and Pawpack is like a, a huge, uh, ice fishing area. And, uh, you know, now that, you know, we get, uh, up and down temperatures so often, uh, but when, when it gets cold enough and it does freeze and, and I mean, what was that one movie? Um, well, one of you guys know, uh, grumpy old men, grumpy old men, when they all have their own little, <laughs> little cabanas and they're i mean that it's kind of intriguing to, to, to see that i would love to kind of get inside one of those things to see what they actually i mean it shows you right there in the movie but that's got to be kind of neat i mean uh, ice fishing like that but i guess you know it's it's something that's been going on for a long time do you, i mean do you know anything about ice fishing mike i mean uh, joe i mean if mike did i would be surprised because i don't yeah. so as far as uh <laughs> you know i i'd like to try it i also again i People think you have to have a ton of patience with fishing. That's because you're usually doing something like ice fishing where you're, you're sitting in the same spot. You're sitting there and just sitting there waiting for something to bite one of the rods you have set up. And I, I honestly, I'd prefer to just walk around the lake, get a little exercise, walk around the stream creek, even put on some waders, go wading in the water, um, or walk up and down the beach with the rod and the lure. And it, it's a little more active, um, but I'd still be interested in trying ice fishing just, you know, just for giggles. Yeah. I got to say that's, that's some of the better times I've had, uh, when I went fishing, you know, not just sitting on the, the pond on the shoreline there and just, you know, waiting for something to hit, but I had a much better time with my buddies when we would, you know, walk the, the local Creek, uh, and, you know, try to find little, you know, under logs or, or little, you know, holes they can possibly be in. Um, I, I, that I found more enjoyable, you know, walking for a while and trying to find the spots and, and seeing where to look. And I know my one friend had no idea, uh, about fishing in any capacity. So while I have limited knowledge, I at least have some, and he was just like catching absolutely nothing. <laughs> and then like my other buddy and I were just kind of like, well, I don't know there's some over here. There's some over there. But then after a while, we we're like, I'm not even going to tell him anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a good bonding activity between friends and family. Like my, my grandfather, uh, not sure if there's any other Polish people, but I call him Jaji. He, uh, he taught me a lot of the things I know. I'm a quarter, uh, on the Polish side there. So there you go. Yeah. So bo both of my Polish grandparents taught me a lot of the stuff that I, uh, I, I now know, and you know, it's, it's a bonding activity. It's whether you're walking around or you're sitting still, it's, it's something you can do with friends and family to get out of the house. Um, and you know, even during COVID, it was something to do just to get out of the house, you know? Yeah. I wonder if it picked up during the uh, pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah. As far as, 
it was about as hard to buy a fishing rod as it was to find toilet paper. So it, <laughs> I'm not kidding. It, when, when you would go to Walmart, the aisles would be 80% cleared out. Um, so they, the, the fishing supplies were tough to get for a while there. Everything's kind of getting back to normal now in terms of supply and demand. So it's a good time to get out. And- yeah. Same thing with like kayaks. I know there's, there's still backordered. Uh, I mean, a lot of the recreational stuff, bikes and mountain bikes. And I mean, you're right. Everyone kind of wanted to go. Golf was another one that, that they, that was the first time that golf grew, uh, in the United States as, as a, as a whole in like 20 something years. So it's yeah, yeah probably since like Tiger stuff. hit the scene early. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Joe, what's, uh, what's the weirdest thing you ever caught? Like whether it's an eel or a snake or something like a boot or something odd, it may not have to be living. It's something goofy. <laughs> the stereotypical, stereotypical boot that you catch. That's a good question. I got to think about that. I think I've caught a lot of weird fish. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of inanimate objects that I've hooked. <laughs> You're, uh, yeah, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Yeah, yeah. I, I've 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 like hooked my friends if that counts. Um, Ooh. I mean, you're walking around the lake. It, it's happened. You know, it's that's that's a, again going back to those bonding experiences. That's a story you and your friend will have for a while. Um, as far as that's why I wear sunglasses too. Yeah, um, yeah not just idea. so you can see through the water, but uh, you know, polarized sunglasses. Yep. Yeah, they get you right through the surface of that that shine. But um, as far as like weirdest fish, um, I would I would say one of the weirder ones I caught was on a trip I took down to the Dry Tortugas. Um, there there are a couple islands that are due west of Key West by maybe forty miles. Um, I was sleeping there. I was sleeping with a fishing rod in my hand, and I was I was awoken by a large nurse shark <laughs> while I was sleeping. So that was a fun one. Um, some large stingrays down the Jersey shore. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, you never know what you're going to get. So it's kind of like Forrest Gump where you're just, yeah, you think you know what kind of species you're targeting, but until you get it to, you know, the shore or the boat, you don't know what it'll be. And it kind of adds a bit of mis- mystery and excitement on top of the fact that you have a, a fish. So. I'm just looking up the dry tortugas, and man, that is way off to the west of Key West. It might be even more than 40 miles. I was ballparking it, but it's the dry tortugas off of Key West are a great place to go. Obviously, it's nice, Florida, unless there's a hurricane. And then uh, they're far enough to the west that the day trips, so if you do like an eight-hour fishing day trip, they can't make it there and back to Key West um, from most boats. So it's it's a supply and demand of fish. The supply's high and the number of people that get out there on day trips is nil. So it's one of the most nonstop active fishing that I've had in terms of activity biting. So a lot of, a lot of good fishing with, with some relatives. We took a boat out there and yeah, it's, that was a two or three day trip where you, you take eight hours to get there, you fish for two days and then you come back eight hours. I, there's no, no shame in using Dramamine, Mike. I, uh, I've, I, despite knowing a good chunk about fishing, I still get seasick. I've, I have gotten seasick plenty of times. Um, as far as that was actually my first date with my wife now, and we've been, this was 10 years ago. This was 10 years ago. We, uh, our very first date was, uh, we went out on a, uh, a party boat out of Long Beach Island. Um, party boat just being a name for a boat that's split with a lot of people, but, um, didn't catch a single fish 
it, it was a night trip blue fishing out of Barnegat. And uh, we were out there for maybe four or five hours, like eight o'clock to 1 a.m. I didn't catch a single fish. She didn't catch a single fish, but I got super seasick, which was great. Um, and I fell asleep on the boat. So that was a really great date for the two of us. So <laughs> that makes, you know, that'll that'll bring me down level wise in terms of fishing, in terms of, you know, just like the bobber, you can't be too proud. <laughs> you can't be too proud to admit things when they work. You know, if if I'm if I had drowned me, and I probably would have been fine. If if you had a bobber, maybe you'd keep the lure at the right depth. So can't have pride when you're trying to catch fish. So was it a rocky boat ride? I mean, was the weather good? I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it it was rough. I mean, yeah, it was probably about twenty miles offshore. So it, you know, every mile you go offshore, it it gets infinitely worse. So. It, it was very rocky. And, and the other issue is if you do have issues getting seasick, definitely don't fish at night. So when you're fishing at night, you can't see the horizon. And that kind of your inner ear gets a little screwed up when you can't see the horizon and, and you have no frame of reference for how you're rocking. So if you do start feeling seasick, try to focus on the horizon. So not at night, um, as well as, you know, a big fan of, of anything that has ginger in it. So why would you bring that up? What do you mean by ginger? Uh, like ginger ale, ginger beer, oh, oh, okay. just ginger root. Your stomach. Yeah, it absolutely settles your stomach. And again, the first part is just avoid fishing when you can't see the horizon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you talk about your first date uh, or no, I don't know if it was first date or not. I, I don't It was, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm surprised she's still with you. But I know. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, I remember um, that same Lake Ontario trip to go salmon fishing i took my wife um and that was the first and last time i'll be taking my <laughs> wife uh on some sort of uh fishing outdoor type of venture because i think she probably had the worst time <laughs> out of the i don't even know three day four day trip whatever it was um well because she was with I, I i can understand that well is that a shot at me? Come on. <laughs> no. Man. Mike's a nice guy. But it's just that uh, it's just not her cup of tea, the outdoorsy stuff, any type of fishing or hunting or something like that, you know, uh, not the best thing. I mean, maybe maybe going for a hike or something like that's up her alley, but that's about that's about the extent of the uh <laughs> the outdoor sporting things that she'll do. So Joe, we'll uh we'll kind of uh, get towards the end here, but we got to cover like myths and folklore and things that maybe you know you've heard through the years or like what what, what kind of folklore is there like with fishing i mean I, i've heard of a few things but i think we should cover maybe what is total garbage and what is actually truth or it could be like weather <laughs> yeah like we did the weather and folklore it could be weather fishing and folklore uh i mean stumped him again you you, you stumped me with this one Boom. because I try to ignore the fact the, the the myths and kind of stick to the facts. But as far as you know, folklore, uh, you got me there. Man, he is just one hundred percent science of what's happening. That's 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 Joe's fishing. I'm a numbers guy. I like numbers, and I uh, try not to perpetuate myths by even talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, we like to, you know, we like to uh, debunk if possible. If you got one, I'll, I'll happily debunk or say it's fact. Well, there's actually a sky condition with clouds, and you guys, 
know what it's called? I'm sure you do. There, there's a type of fish that's used to describe the sky. Sunfish? No, the mackerel sky? No, the mackerel sky. Oh, the mackerel sky is, is just a fun name for something that actually exists. So that that's not a, uh, that is definitely a fact. Um, a mackerel has a pattern that's, it's kind of almost like a cheetah, but rather than a cheetah colors, it's uh, kind of like a light blue, dark blue, teal, um, and some silver in there. So you can definitely get a mackerel sky. Um, I guess now that we've been talking about this for a second here, I, I did remember a, I don't know if it's a folklore or just a saying, but, uh, you know, red sky in the morning, sailors take warning and red sky at night, sailors delight. That that one sounds like a myth, but I, I find it to be mostly a fact. So if you have a, at least at least in the Northern Hemisphere, if you're fishing in the Southern Hemisphere, it's a myth. Um, the Northern Hemisphere, most of our systems come out of the West. So if you have a red sky in the morning, the sun's off to the East, that's how you get that red light underneath the cloud deck coming in from the west um, tends to mean a storm's coming from the west. So a red sky in the morning generally means something's coming in as far as weather. A red sky at night, though, means your sun is to your west and you know the storm is exiting to the east. It tends to make for a nice sunset and it means the storm's generally moving east and offshore and away. So the red sky at night, you know, red sky in the morning thing does have a bit of merit. Um, it's not always the case, as you saw with like Sandy that came from the east. But um, I'd say, I'd say ninety nine times out of a hundred, it, it's going the other way. So that's good. Well, Brad, uh, since we're about wrapping up, do you have any jokes that have to do with fishing that you'd like to share? I'd say, Brad, I got my first kid on the way, so you need to get me up to date on these dad jokes here. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's a dad too. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, I, I can't think of any of them. Oh, come on. You don't have a joke. I got a joke. Go ahead. Okay, so here's here, here's the joke that I always get from my dad. Um, what did the fish say when he ran to the wall? Walleye? Nope. Dam. Ah. Dams are good for fishing, though. So I, I like that joke just because it's a good place to fish. <laughs> uh, That's kind of sad, though. It's a really bad, dead joke. I think Brad just got it now. Brad, come on, man. <laughs> I, I can hear I can hear Brad aggressively typing up, Googling dad jokes, <laughs> yeah. fishing. Alright, why, why did the fish blush? Uh, nothing. I got nothing. Because it saw the ocean's bottom. Uh, uh, that's... Okay, that about wraps up our fishing podcast. I don't think we could go any more than that. Um, Joe, I... I really appreciate you coming out today and talking about uh, weather and fishing and, and all the impacts that result from it. I'm, I'm happy you came out. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a, it was a good time. I like to uh, help anyone in terms of trying to help them catch more fish. And even if you're not, it's still a great activity just to, to spend time with friends and family. Sure, 100%. And uh, so that's it for this episode of the podcast. Remember that we'll have a new podcast every two weeks. So come and visit the Weather Lounge on your favorite podcasting app. You can find us on Apple, Google, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, the Weather Lounge is there. And we're also on social media. Find WeatherWorks on social media on Facebook. 
Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube. And as always, if you have some suggestions about the show, give us an email over at weatherlounge at weatherworksinc.com. And we'll be glad to hear any comments you have about the show or possibly any guest ideas you may have for the show. But until our next episode, this has been the Weather Lounge and thanks for joining us.